This is the 451. I'm Summer Brennan. And I'm pretty sure Jesse is asleep, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jonathan Mann. And we are a podcast for the resistance. Uh, the last we heard from Jesse, we got an email late last night. He was at the Cookbook Awards. And uh, he intimated that perhaps... Hey, it's the cookbook rewards. It's the cookbook I, I, don't, I, don't, I gonna, don't know what he said, but... I'm going to be having a crazy night. So that's, I think I think Jesse had a crazy night and we need to record now, so... <laughs> yeah, that's just, just a reminder. We were just talking about this. That I think part of what's fun about this and what's maybe a bit different from some of the other Resistance podcasts is we don't have a producer. We don't really have even a budget. We just kind of are doing it and this is what happens. So. We're flying by the seat of our pants, folks. Exactly. And, and that's how we do it. I wanted to start with this quote from Mitch McConnell. Oh, do it. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Yes. This is what, did you, did you see this? Yes. Good Lord, man. This happened last night, right? Senator Elizabeth Warren was trying to read this letter that Coretta Scott King wrote about Jeff Sessions back, I guess, in the 80s when he was uh, up for a judgeship. Yes. And um, they shut her down and... And that was what Mitch McConnell said when, as, as he shut her down. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Good for her. It's a great rallying cry. It really now. is. Like, I want that on a sign. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you've just, like, handed us a great rallying cry quote. Thanks, Moscow, Mitch. Oh, God. That guy. <laughs> Appreciate it. You. And then there's Betsy yeah, DeVos. Well, that's, so she got... Voted in. You know, they're all going to get in, basically. Yeah, There's like um, nothing. Sorry, that, but, but what's important is to, for people not to feel discouraged because that's going to, like, they were going to get in. That's how it works. But you still have to fight them because you use up the political capital and the energy of your opponent by doing that. Yep. And that's what that's what the right and the Tea Party learned so effectively. And I think somebody made the point um, that, you know, the Tea Party was sort of born and gained its big momentum in opposition to the Affordable Care Act, which yeah. passed. Yeah. But they were able to gain so much ground by, like, being galvanized by that and working for it and, and exhausting their... I mean, look what look at the damage they did. So we, too, can do that yeah. kind of damage, I guess, is, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me when I see especially Democratic lawmakers say like we want to take, you know, we don't want to learn the wrong lessons from the Tea Party. But I but I, I question sometimes if they understand if they realize what I think are the good lessons versus the bad lessons. But what know? do they like, think are the wrong lessons? I was thinking about like, uh, you know, like not compromising. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Democrats just seem like they love to compromise. And politics, they say, you know, is like the art of compromise, right? Yeah, but like, it but, is. But I think there's a time and a place for it, and like that is not now. Yeah, exactly. Like this isn't a conversation about who's going to pay for some specific, you know, measure. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a different story when you're talking about like people's fundamental rights or averting disaster or doing horrible unconstitutional things. So I'm a little bit confused in my, in my sort of cursory media consumption that I've been having um, about... The ban, the Muslim ban, has been blocked or partially blocked, or yes. what's going on with that? I was looking at this this morning. So uh, it has been currently blocked by a judge in Washington, uh, Judge Robart, who wears a bow tie and seems like a, a like a like a stand-up gentleman. Sounds nice. So he he blocked it, and then it got appealed to the Ninth Circuit, 
And the arguments were heard yesterday, um, let's see, from an article in the Los Angeles Times. The Ninth Circuit is not expected to decide the key constitutional issues in the case immediately. Um, the panel in its ruling this week will determine only whether the court order against enforcement of the ban should continue until the complex legal debate over executive power and due process is resolved. Okay. So basically, yeah, they're not going to like, they're not going to rule f sort of finally on it. They're just going to say whether or not um, whether or not the ban should go on while things are fi being figured out. Gotcha. But in the meantime, a person, like, there are, are there still people stuck at airports? No, right? I don't think so. I think right. people are getting in now thanks to Judge Robart. Thank goodness. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the tweet that Trump made against Judge Robart. No, I haven't seen any Trump tweets for two weeks. You are so lucky. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty nice, I gotta say. Here we go. So here's a quote after Judge Robart made the decision to halt the ban. Uh, Donald Trump, just cannot believe a judge would put our country in such peril. If something happens, blame him and court system. People pouring in. Bad. So he's he's calling out this judge directly, you know? Yeah. And, and I wonder about the chilling effects of that, if that's going to galvanize other judges to, to to stand up or I mean uh, that's scary you know like that's there's that's really terrifying it is really scary the, the, I mean this is his MO but yeah it is really it is really frightening did you watch the Super Bowl I did actually I watched the first half okay I forgot that it was happening yeah so I, I did too <laughs> until until the morning until the morning of and I was talking to my dad and he's like you're gonna watch the Super Bowl and I'm like that, oh, that's today I didn't I, you know <laughs> Yeah, um, I did not watch it, but I saw some Super Bowl commercials that people were sharing. And I saw yes. that one by a lumber company I'd never heard of. 84 Lumber. Um, yeah. Did you see this? Um, about the mother and daughter traveling mm -hmm. to the border. Yeah. And it made me teary. There's something heartening about the fact that, you know, these large corporations, they know what they're doing, right? Like, they know they have very good research about who's watching the Super Bowl and who's going to respond which way to these things. And they so they, they have to know that, like, the majority of people believe this. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. It's not good business. That actually is quite heartening because especially, I mean, if it was, it would be different if it was, like, the Oscars or something. Right. Because right. then, I mean, we've all established, like, the liberal <laughs> Hollywood bubble, right? Like, right. I can't even right. say the phrase anymore. Yeah. But the Super Bowl, I don't know. Exactly. Not exactly. such a liberal coastal no. bubble there. No. No. Um, but, 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 they, but they, you know, they calculated their things. They did their you know, all their metrics and their research, and they found that, you know, enough people are watching the Super Bowl that agree with the fact that, you know, we're a nation of immigrants and and, and most people, the vast majority of people coming to this country are... They're just people, man. They're just people. Yeah. They're just people trying to, trying to make a better life. Yeah, I think, I mean, the issue of border crossings without papers was really driven home for me when I was spent time teaching in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible like how necessary it was for families to send someone to do this in order to just survive because right. the way the, the entire economy was based around it, especially in like small villages and small towns. People's wages did not match the cost of living by any stretch of the imagination. And it was just, right. it was impossible to survive even if your entire family, including children, were working, unless you had a family member in the United States sending money back. Wow. And and um, and that was a real shock to me because I, I knew people, you know, came here for a better life or they came to flee, you know, violence in their own country or all kinds of different reasons. 
but I think before that time, this was like more than 10 years ago now, but I hadn't realized that there are entire economies totally based around sending money back. Yeah. And also that I tried to help this. I had a student who was old. She was actually older. She's like 20 who wanted to come to the United States. And we kept trying to figure out legal ways for her to do that. And she did, she didn't come to the United States at all. We couldn't, you know, and it's yeah. like, there was, we just couldn't do it. Um, yeah. which is like, I think for Americans, we're so used to this idea that we can just go almost anywhere that we want. Right. Or would want to go. And it was just so strange to me when there was like, I had this incredibly bright, optimistic young woman that wanted a better life from herself. She wanted to come to America. She had relatives living here who had come here, you know, with a coyote across the border, but it's incredibly dangerous. And she was like, I'm afraid of being raped. I don't want to go that way. It was just really, really striking. And uh, yeah, so I don't like Trump. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) and this is just the beginning right like this is the sort of first real salvo in this administration's assault on on the world for normal people trying to figure out how to respond to this i think it's pretty overwhelming because i've been so busy with work i haven't been constantly consuming the news like i might normally do but even just kind of trying to keep track it's just there's so much and i keep thinking that it really is important if people are wanting to be active or do something to sort of maybe pick a beat yeah. Like pick a focus cuz otherwise if you can manage it all that's great but it's really hard and I just think it it's easier if you're like okay I'm going to focus on a public lands defense you know yeah. or I'm going to focus on okay so this is what we're going to be dealing with in education yeah. what can I do locally what can I do to support my elected officials what organizations are doing something yeah. can I donate to them can I volunteer and and even just if you pick a beat to focus on a beat as in like a, you know, area of focus, like it's still a lot, but I think it makes it easier. Yeah. I think we've talked about this several times and this is the advice that the rabbi gave too. And the rabbi that we had on the show two weeks ago, the rabbi we had on the show two weeks ago, but I even feel like, and I don't know if other people are struggling with this too, but I know that logically. And then, and then I just find that it's so hard. Right. It's so hard for me to focus and um, it's so much easier to yeah, to get caught up and sort of just, just go a little nuts. Yeah, I mean, so since I've been on social media less than normal, um, are people still kind of, like, tapped out and exhausted and freaked out, do you think? No, I think I think it's, I think we've sort of settled into to a kind of, like, sustained kind of freak out. <laughs> um, uh. Not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, I think the worst thing that can happen is people get burnt out and the DDoS takes over right. and just shuts down. And I don't think that's happened. I don't yeah. think that's happened. I mean, people, individuals have to realize that if that's happening to you, that is fine. Right. I mean, and again, like because I sort of did something similar, I needed to catch up on work and I was, there's just so much like it's, you don't, you can't be in the trenches all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, I talked to you guys about this a little bit. And I haven't talked about it on the show yet, but like, you know, I had a thing with my wife where, you know, and this is like an ongoing thing that we have, which is like just a, a general relationship thing. When you have kids, it can be tricky, especially if you're a guy. My wife does the vast majority still of the emotional labor, um, you know, planning, pl- you know, I do a fair amount of cooking. I do a fair amount of laundry and stuff like that. But just in terms of like planning our lives and like, knowing when the kid is off school and plan, you know, planning our meals and things like that and all kinds of stuff. And even though I try to be as conscious as I can, I still struggle with taking on more of that stuff. And so we had this 
I don't know, like an argument the other day where I had scheduled like four different kind of um, activisty things that I was going to do over the weekend, and I and and she had to stop me and be like, Jonathan, like I need you here. Like you can't, you can't do like all four of these things. I need you to choose like one, maybe two. Right. And she was totally right, and I sort of had to like step step back and be like, oh my god, I'm you know I'm getting caught up in this. Uh, just wanting to, quote unquote, save the world. Yeah. Um, and I'm sort of extending myself further than 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 I should be. But I think it's. I mean, that's such an important question of how to manage that balance. I. Yeah. I mean, it's no accident that like the cliche sort of revolutionary. I'm doing air quotes right now. Mm-hmm. Like, is a student. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's usually somebody without their own family to care for and who have a lot of energy and like unstructured time. Yeah. And and it's great. I mean, we do need everybody from all ages. Of course, that's just a, like a stereotype. It's not who has always actually been no. leading movements and, and stuff like that. But it is an interesting balance, like trying to find, okay, you have to, you do actually have to take care of your life. Yeah. You know, you have to keep your job and feed your family and (laughs) And do everything. Right. Keep a roof over your head and get sleep. And most people, especially now, struggle a lot just to do the basics. Yep. I mean, our jobs, especially in America, demand a lot from us. You know, I spent time in France and I was like, wow, it's different. Like, (laughs) leisure time is kind of looked at askance, you know? Absolutely. So, So we already don't have that much extra time. For ourselves for our families on the whole so then to figure out okay how do i like fight fascism on top of it all <laughs> on top of it all and yeah. we we do have to and there are ways it's just sort of the joke of like what protests is the new brunch or something i mean that's not, like in some ways that's you want to be like oh like it's not like it's a trendy thing or yeah. just like whatever yeah. but there are ways that you can integrate right it's like okay i'm gonna meet a friend on saturday and we're, we're gonna do something maybe we can make a plan to go volunteer yeah. at this place together or yeah. go to a protest and make it part of your your social life or and some people do some people do take time off work some people do quit their jobs yeah um and that's great for people that can yeah and you know my wife actually sent me a really great article sort of about raising kids and being like a family in a in the in, in this sort of activist lifestyle and how to balance it all. So oh. we'll we'll link that in the show notes too if if anyone's interested. That sounds like a good resource. You know, the thing that we've come to basically is just like it's really it always comes down to the same thing if if anybody's curious sort of sort of <laughs> how we ended up, which is just basically like, you know, we just need to listen to each other more. Like I just need to listen to her and I need to like make my um my desires known sooner about like where I want to be and, and what I want to be doing. And, right. um, but it's a constant challenge. I'm sure everybody knows what that's like. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of what we're all doing is figuring out like right after the election when we were like, Oh no, like I was hit by this wave of feeling of neglect. Like everyone has their own brand of nightmare of anxiety yeah. dream. Like, you yeah. know, some people like specialize in the didn't study for the test anxiety dream yeah. or whatever. And I specialize in the like, oh no, I forgot my puppy in a locked car in another oh, country. No. Oh, like, no. <laughs> which is terrible. Or, like, like sort a of, neglect, yeah. Yeah, which I don't analyze me. But like, that's that feeling I had after the election was like, oh no, I left my democracy like locked in a hot car. <laughs> and now it's dead. <laughs> like, what do I do? And, um, and I think that's the show title, Democracy in a Hot Car. Democracy <laughs> in a Hot Car. Yeah. And I messed up. I didn't care for this thing that I was supposed yeah. to care for. I didn't yeah. realize it. Where's the sustainable ground between that panic and I need to pay my bills? Mm-hmm. You know, right. um, 
Right. But maybe everyone else figured that out by December. And if you did, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm sure that not everybody did. And I feel like this is the kind of thing that you we will all continue to struggle with as things move on and we we just have to keep adjusting and keep learning and keep you know working on it right right and i think it's um you know regardless of what you do for a living there's always ways i mean look at this lumber company like that decided to do a super bowl ad yeah. i mean th- no matter what you yeah. do there's a way in which you can live your life that will be helpful in some way Hi, Summer. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Really nice to hear your voices. <laughs> how um how was the cookbook awards? A lot of culinary professionals all came together, and then there was a little bit of a an after event. So sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. Um, but now here we are this morning. We've been holding down the fort. Have you? Um, I mean, did you already did you already record basically what we, could be an episode? That I don't want to make you. We were waiting for you to do hopes and fears. Okay. Did you come up with any, Jonathan? I do. I I have my fear all ready to go. Uh, as usual, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's hear it. <laughs> There's been some some talk about the idea that the Koch brothers, especially, are trying to organize a constitu- a constitutional convention. Oh God, them! Article five of the Constitution says that if two thirds of the state legislatures call for a constitutional convention, that's basically when it can happen. And you should see my face right now. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I can picture it. I can picture it. <laughs> Amendments can be made to the Constitution at this at this convention. Oh, my God. <laughs> if 34 of the state legislatures are controlled by Republicans, then this is something that is kind of likely. And currently, after the election that just happened, they have 32. So they need two more. So basically... After this election, they f- they flipped a bunch of them. Uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Kentucky, pre-last election, were all split legislatures. Now they're all red. And so if they just get two more, like in the next election, if they can flip Colorado and Maine, for instance, which are both split right now, uh, or, or Connecticut and Colorado. Uh, then we're all screwed and we need to play taps for America, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, I mean, then then it's like then it's sort of game over. Then it's like then it's like we don't even have the Constitution as a piece of paper. Yeah, then 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 of. then that's it. Um, and they and they're putting money into I mean, the, oh, the yeah. seat flipping. I mean, this that's, is this is, as we've said, one another opportunity to plug the book Dark Money by Jane Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> they're putting a ton of money into this. A ton. Yeah. That sounds like that sounds insanely yes. unpopular, though. I mean, yeah. yes. are we talking about something that's just kind of steamrolling the the popular will? Because I I can't I can't imagine that even even the most diehard Trumpster is going to, is going to be like, well, you know, the the Constitution had a good run, but let's try something new. Don't underestimate it. It's within the bounds of the Constitution is the thing. It's like it's 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 just a matter that's... of being out outmaneuvered basically by very ri- outspent yeah, and outmaneuvered yeah. by very 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 rich people. I am making cartoon character <laughs> motions of distress right now. I'm just gonna give my my hope. My hope on the flip side of this, which is, and this is the thing that we sort of keep coming back to, I feel like over and over again as a hope, which is, you know, we're witnessing a wave of awakening, of political awakening. I mean, the three of us sitting here is 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 the evidence, you know. It's testament to it, yeah. Every Everywhere you go, everywhere you look, you can see it. And it, it's taking many different forms. And so the question basically becomes, can 
this wave that leads to something like the biggest protest ever in American history mm-hmm. uh, overcome the dark money and and long-term organization. And that's what mm-hmm. it comes down to. It comes down to can all of us come together and organize ourselves in a way that we we not only don't let them flip Maine, Colorado, and Connecticut, but we also take back Wisconsin, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Arizona, Idaho. Like we organize in 2018 in a way that totally closes this road off to them and in fact opens up our own roads. Like. It's possible, I feel like. So your hope is that it's possible. So so that's a hope and a fear. Exactly. Okay. Not only not only can we stop them, but we can we can beat them. You want me to go? Yeah, do it. Yeah. My biggest fear is definitely swirling around an article that I read this weekend, uh, which we will link to in the Guardian. And it's not stuff that we didn't haven't talked about before. It's not stuff that we weren't kind of or at least myself wasn't peripherally aware of, uh, that Steve Bannon's ultimate goal and uh every all evidence from what has happened since inauguration has is pointing to is uh a really quick roller coaster ride to global war um and it's just was spelled out so and and that that would be uh that that would actually be the point of all of yeah. this that it, ra- rather than just kind of a peripheral thing that happens but due to you know malevolence and incompetence it was just so terrifying to see it spelled out so clearly um ba- based on uh an evidence the evidence is that everything that he's ever said all the things that he is reading all of the people that he looks up to and so yeah it's it's just got me a little bit quaking uh i i've been more focused i think a little bit on the domestic issues the the things that are happening to American people right here. And I know some are that that's been kind of your fear all along, uh, based on your work at the UN was the, oh, but the international aspects, the, of it? the international aspects. And now all of a sudden that's, that's what's keeping me up at night. Yeah. That, I mean that while the domestic stuff is horrible and scary and you can't really argue like what's worse and stuff, it was the international things that I think moved me into a sphere of, I don't know, not feeling like it was morally impossible for me to not, start yelling about it i guess yeah um yeah absolutely do you guys either have any idea like what would drive someone to like want world conflict like that like is it a power thing is it just because he he dreams of being so powerful that he brought this to bear on the world like like okay so the final conclusion of this article is that Apparently, and and you're right. This is kind of sketchy because you you don't really know. You're not inside his head. But right, exactly. That's that's sort of my would, question. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself. Because well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> is, is is that it would kind of wipe the slate clean in some weird way, and that then some new, much more strong America somehow would emerge from the ashes. That's like what the Holocaust was about. Yeah. Right. And and min, and meanwhile, millions of millions and millions of people will die in the process. I should do hope too. Uh, yeah. What's your hope, Jesse? Don't say uh, eggs. If you say it's eggs, I... I'm not going to say it. Avocados. No, I'm Avocados. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. That's so I, mean. I'm, I didn't mean it like that. Just because I just woke up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this week, my hopes are that there has just been a really kind of impressive groundswell of resistance uh, that's very palpable and visible uh, to everybody uh, that people are taking to the streets and people are calling their senators and two Republican senators flipped on DeVos, uh, which was not enough, but it was still something. And I feel like that was a reaction on a large part to public pressure. I'm proud of that a lot of the citizenry is actually uh, getting out there and doing 
what they feel they need to do. Indeed. I think my fear is basically the same as Jesse's fear, um, which has been my main thing all along. Uh, but I'm, I mean, to make it more specific, I'm concerned about the rising right extremism, right-wing extremism in Europe. Um, Marine, Marine Le Pen, and I spent a few months in France this last year, in 2016, and with um, a lot of Islamophobia. It's a very potent issue to, like, exploit. And she's doing it. And so, I, I, so I'm worried about that and all of that that would cascade into the thing that Jesse was just talking about. It does give me hope, the fact that there was a, a meeting of world leaders in mm-hmm. Malta to be like, oh, America, so what should we do about that? It's just a reminder that people know like this is yeah it's not like it's happening in the shadows yeah it's not like people are like oh la 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 la." like the more blatant you are like you talk about bannon planning all this and stuff and you know who knows the specifics but like i was saying to jonathan before you before you joined us like the saturday night live sketch with bannon and they didn't even have anyone impersonate bannon that just the grim reaper (laughs) just walked onto the stage like and i was like accurate like that that's like there's no that's so much better than having somebody like try to do Bannon mannerisms or whatever yeah I think that the things that give me hope is whenever I see that other people see that like even if it's something like satire like oh okay like just these reminders that I gotta say the same thing every week don't I but just that that (laughs) (laughs) there's such a there's such an incredible um force of suppression at work coming from this administration like making up fake massacres that didn't happen and and saying like this is normal you guys are weird and and aberrant and and blah 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 and the more things you see like every time i see a magazine cover that's you know the statue of liberty's torch snuffed out or whatever that's that expresses the state of emergency it it reminds me yeah they absolutely do that people know (laughs) people know people know it's not like people don't know yeah so dear people doing these things thank you thank you Please yeah. keep please keep doing them. Political mobilization is a real thing. Political careers are made and ruined by it. Th- things like memes. I mean, now we're so way past the time when like Howard Dean sounding weird for two seconds at a rally like supposedly oh ruined his like presidential bid. Yeah. Um, I think about that a lot actually. Clearly, more is at stake. But weird weird stuff happens. I mean, these these things that seem trivial do make a big impact. Um, I mean, even something along the lines of, like, satire or a meme. I mean, Trump was, like, memed into the White House in a way, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. Does somebody have a cat? Yeah, it was my cat. <laughs> I just heard this little, like, meow. I, I'm, I'm here to bring a lot of professionalism to the podcast this morning. <laughs> Speaking of, of, of cats, not really. Uh, we are sponsored again this week by Domainer. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent segue. Excellent. If you in your hometown are putting on a musical production of Cats and you would like <laughs> to make a website for the show. Uh, what would that website be? Something Cats. Whoa. Cats.net is for sale. No, it's not. It is. What? Oh, you have to like make an offer. Okay. That oh, makes sense. Yeah. like $2 million. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so this, this, this is where we see the Venn diagram of our listeners and people who want to put on a Cats musical in their small town. Yeah, the first the first thing you always need is is a great domain, and Domainer makes it really fast and really easy to find that perfect domain. Um, that's really what they're for. They're just there to like you can use their search box and type things into it, and they'll just give you ideas. And 
Um, if you already have an idea, that's a good place to start. But they'll also just like help you generate other ideas. That's true. They do actually suggest a lot more things than other sites. I love how you're so much better at this ad thing than me. I'm like, <laughs> what if you want to do a musical of cats? And you're like, right. Anyway, so <laughs> websites. But really, it, it really is all about idea generation with, with Domainer. And again, the the address is uh, Domainer without an E. So D-O-M-A-I-N-R dot com slash 451. Uh, and go get a domain. I'm looking at Cat's hometown. I'm so um, sorry. Catstown uh, dot property. Catstown dot Catstown dot property. Uh, oh my god, I'm on it. Wait, Cat's. <laughs> Ooh, wait, wait, guys, guys. Cat, this cats, is so politically relevant. Cats dot condos. Um, <laughs> oh my god, that's the Florida website. Cats dot apartments. Cats dot rent. Oh, that's like two ama- that's like two really big Broadway musicals. Cats dot rent. There it is. Welcome to the seventies slash nineties, guys. Uh anyway, so uh domainer <laughs> domainer.com slash four five one. Let them know that you came from us. Thanks so much uh again to Domainer for sponsoring our show. Thank you. Thank you, Domainer. Um, cats. You know, that's the other thing. It's really good to. Are we talking about cats? All right. Well, the thing is, it's really good sometimes to like when you're looking at when you do get sucked down a rabbit hole of like the terror and the 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 fury and the the terribleness. Like, you know, take a minute to look at some cats. Um, we didn't have a guest this week, but we'll have more guests soon. And um, next time we record, I will be in a rural area of America. Mm -hmm. So excitement. Maybe you'll even hear some roosters in the background. Probably. Oh yeah. Summer, you want to take us home? Oh, sure. Um, we're still all in this together. We're still here, most of us. And um, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, folks. Jonathan here. One thing. Um, the CEO of 84 Lumber is actually pro-Trump and pro-Wall, so go figure. Um, you can find out all about the various things we talked about this week on our website, the451.com, all spelled out. If you enjoyed the show, as always, there's a few ways to help out. You can donate to us on Patreon. Any amount helps. That's at patreon.com slash the451. Again, all spelled out. You can also leave us a review or rating in iTunes. That really helps uh, people find us. And, of course, you can always just um, tell your friends about the show and get them listening. Please follow us at Twitter. Um, at please follow us uh, you can you can follow the show on twitter at uh the underscore 451 just the numbers follow summer on twitter at summer brennan jesse is at jesse underscore hirsch and i'm at song day man with two n's thanks again so much for listening and this has been the 451 a podcast for the resistance My name is Carissa, and I'm calling from sunny Colombia. That's the country um, in South America. <laughs> um, I'm from Minnesota, and I'm teaching here at an international school for the next year and a half. And um, it's been really hard uh, with the election and everything, all the horrible things going on, to be so far away and yet um, really involved in the news and wanting uh, to be part of the resistance. So I just want to say I so appreciate this podcast. Um, how informative and entertaining and cathartic it is. So I just really appreciate you guys. Um, 
some things that I've been doing uh, to resist from Columbia, um, besides, you know, calling my reps every day, uh, flying in to go to the Women's March in Bogota. Um, two kind of things I wanted to mention are I've been taking uh, a crash course in government politics on YouTube. It's free. It's like 50 episodes, and I've learned so much, um, and that's been really fun and great. Um, and then one other thing I've been doing is uh, forming an action team um, of five teachers who um, also want to be resisting and working for justice. So we're meeting after school once a week and um, kind of figuring out like how we can act from Columbia, um, even though we're all from different states. Uh, and so we actually a couple weeks ago created this anti-Betsy DeVos video and we um, made it with 17 teachers from the school and sent it to all of our senators and um, so that was really cool. I'm trying to send it to them again <laughs> in these like last hours before her vote. Um, but I guess kind of my question uh, that I'd love to, I don't know, get some guidance on or just, you know, whatever, uh, is like how do we resist as a group from abroad? You know, we can't uh, go to office visits. We can't protest, you know, in the streets. Um, but, you know, what do you guys think? Should we focus on like one topic, education, the environment, or try to go for a blanket approach. You know, I'm very new to trying to lead groups, um, but it's an awesome skill to have and an incredibly important cause. So anyway, thanks so much. And um, you guys encourage me um, so much. So thank you. Have a great day. Bye.